They put on the helmet and pads. What's up, man? This is your teammate, number 57, Brennan Scarlett. And make the big plays. Down to the 10-yard line. What a play. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. I put a ton of pressure on myself. I want to be able to go out there and make the plays. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. They want to listen to, you know, the slow songs, the R&B. And I'm like, you know, we got to go play football. Welcome to the Texans players show. With your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the Texans Player Show. Great to have you listening tonight. Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty with you. And tonight, we are so pleased, so honored to be joined by center Nick Martin, who is making – is this your first ever appearance with us on this program? I hate I to have think to ask it you. Might, I think it might be. Okay, well, welcome to the show. It's certainly your first appearance while we're doing the Corona version of the show, which is on Zoom. Uh, but it's great to have you on, Nick, and uh, thanks so much for being with us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, doing well. Just looking forward to move on to Jacksonville. Okay, we are looking forward to it, too. Noon Sunday, the Jaguars at NRG Stadium. Okay, let's just uh, talk about the uh, big story this week so far as the Texans move on from Coach Bill O'Brien, uh, what was your reaction to it, Nick? And I know you guys have a job to do no matter what, and maybe not much changes, but uh, just set this up, set that up for us, if you could, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Coach O'Brien has been great to this organization, obviously, winning AFC titles, winning a lot of games. He's been great to me and my family. Um, a lot of respect for Coach. Had a re- uh, really good relationship with him. Like you said, now we got to move on. we got 12 games left, and you know, we got to get some Ws. How's that work as far as moving on? You know, today is a Tuesday. Typically, a total, you know, you're totally off. You might go in for some treatment. You might do some things on your own. Did anything change in that regard as far as Tuesday? And how much do you know about Wednesday? Are there going to be big changes as far as protocol and meeting and all that stuff? Or is it basically you roll like you were rolling before all this happened? Yeah, you know, like you said, went in, um, you know, get a lift, get treatment get some things done, start getting ahead on Jacksonville, watch tape on your own. Um, but, you know, we still have a lot of staff, you know, for me, Mike Devlin, the line coach, and Tim Kelly. So familiar faces in there and then just move on to Jacksonville. You know, we, we got to win games, and that's that's what it comes down to. Nick, Romeo is the uh, interim head coach, and I know he coaches defense, but Romeo has been a head coach before. So what have your interactions with him, what have they been like? And how do you feel about that? Because obviously you've seen a lot of Romeo around the building, around the organization over the years. Yeah, it's been great. And he's been a you know big part of this organization, obviously, being the defense coordinator and assistant head coach and now the interim head coach. And um, we're lucky to have him. He's seen, obviously, a lot of football. He's been around for a lot of years, has a lot of wisdom. And so we're excited to you know have him get us going. Yeah, to follow up on that from Mark, in 17 and then for part of this year, he wasn't the defensive coordinator. He was an associate head coach and he mingled with both sides of the ball. Obviously, more of an emphasis on defense, but it was it was pretty fun to see back when we used to be able to go out to practice, but to see him interacting with guys on the offensive side. What's it like? What do you hear from him when you're, you know, a center or an offensive lineman, and you've got a guy like that who's got all that experience? What sort of stuff would he, would he talk with you, chit-chat with you about? Yeah, I mean, you talk a lot of ball, and he's one of those guys you can ask a lot of questions to because, like we said, he – He's been around for so long and seen so many things, um, so he knows a lot. And you want to pick his brain. At the same time, you know, with that wisdom and those years come respect. So, you know, when he talks, we listen, and you want to hear what he has to say. 
It's got to be a real statement. Go ahead, in a statement yesterday, Cal McNair said, you know, they wanted to move on from Bill O'Brien because also it's, it's right now it's really early. You're only four games into the season. Uh, I feel like you can still turn things around and win some games. What about um, from your perspective? It seems like there are some games you see flashes of things, you know, the, the ball moving well. You know, what sort of things have you done so far that you really feel like you can build on and, and, and possibly turn things around moving forward? Yeah, I, like you said, we have moved the ball in some games, um, and, and sometimes we haven't. We need to fix that. Um, obviously, I think we've been really good at the end of half, which is a good positive to build on, and we did better opening up the half this past week. Um, you know, everyone knows what Deshaun can do and the plays he can make. So I think, you know, he'll get us going, spark us, and we just got to keep moving this offense forward. Yeah, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to talk with you in a few days after you go through these initial meetings because, you know, Bill O'Brien would address the entire squad. But really uh, what a lot of fans don't understand is you spend more time with Mike Devlin than anybody in the organization. I mean, he's your position coach, and uh, it's got to be very similar what you're about to experience in the next few days in that regard, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that goes back to the beginning of time, you know, high school, college to NFL, you always spend the most time with your position coach. And, you know, we're fortunate to have Mike and he he has an awesome outlook too, because, you know, he played in the NFL for years and has been coaching for a while and he actually played center. So I love being able to bounce ideas off him, how he approached things. And we we really see the same thing um, through the same set of eyes, which is nice. And how optimistic are you guys about, uh, Tim Kelly in the offense in the offensive coordinator spot with him having full control now because Bill O'Brien's not here so he is going to call things his way one way or the other what's the, the optimism level there there's a lot of optimism you know when, when you look around you see David Johnson Duke Johnson Cobb and Cooks and Will and Kenny and obviously Deshaun and the old line that we have some stability that we haven't had in years past it's just it's nice and you know I Tim was my assistant offensive line coach when I first came into the league, so we have a great relationship. And he is so smart. His football IQ is the highest I've really ever been around, so we're excited to get him going. Nick Martin joining us on the Texans Players Show. And, you know, when you're run blocking and you've got a David Johnson back there versus a Carlos Hyde versus a Lamar Miller, is there much of a difference to you guys uh, how does that affect how you handle your business? Who's carrying the ball behind you? Yeah, you always, I mean, no matter who's running the ball, you, you fight to the end and you, you, you know, scratch and claw to finish your block and um, hopefully spring, spring that back. But David's such an awesome guy off the field, and that really does help. You know, you want to block for a good guy and a good teammate and a great player too. So we've been really excited, and, you know, we're going to get him going a little bit more. Nick, there's been some changes in the offensive line this year. We saw Sunil Kelmete come in uh, for a few snaps a few weeks ago. This last week he started. How does that affect what you do uh, when your guards are different? I know you've worked with him in the past, but, you yeah. know, is that pretty seamless for you to make that transition back and forth? Are there any adjustments in how you communicate similarly or differently, depending on who, who's playing guard next to you? Yeah, it's center, especially, you know, you play in between two people, and um, it, it does make a difference who's in there. But me, me and Sunil um, – we play together, which is great. And he, he's such an awesome guy. And he's one of the things he does well is he's, his communication is unbelievable off the field, on the field. Um, obviously we're close being then spending so much time together in the line room, but you can really bounce ideas off each other and um, get snaps together. And we have, we had had a lot of snaps, you know, two years, two years ago, we started the whole season next to each other. So we had that pass and it's been working well. 
What's it like doing your job as far as being the quarterback of the offensive line? So give us an example of some of the things that you have to do at the line of scrimmage to get your guys ready for a particular play. Yeah, it all starts. I mean, the first thing I do is identify the front. And then whether we're going fast, Deshaun will give me the play, and I'll relay the play to both sides, especially after a chunk play, make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, from there, you get the mic point, um, and you continue to make calls, and you're seeing blitzes and kind of just – I love it because so much communication happens in such a short time. And, you know, sometimes this year you can, you know, hear more on away games, obviously with no fans, but when it's so loud and stuff, I think that that's such a fun part of football is getting five guys on the same page in that short window. You just talked about whether you're going fast, whether you're going slow. How much more fun do you like it when you guys as an offense are going fast, or do you like it the other way? I like it both. Uh, I think, obviously, we have success going tempo. Uh, I really enjoy that. I think Deshaun likes it, and uh, it, it's it's really fun for us because it is. It's You're not in the huddle. and I mean, the huddle is always great. There's always stuff going on there. But when you're going fast and on the ball, like I said, there's that communication that has to happen so fast. Uh, in the blink of an eye, and all of a sudden that ball snaps, and the pre-snap or the post-snap could look could be completely different than the pre-snap, and you have to react, and things change on the fly. Um, so it is fun. You mentioned not having the fans these first few weeks uh, at your away games, even even at Kansas City and um, against Minnesota. You had fans, but it was just a few fans. But what's that been like, the the lack of noise in the stadium, especially at away games, the fact that you can hear each other? Because then I would imagine the defense can hear you as well, too. So um, how does that how does that sort of factor in how you guys make your calls? Because you, you kind of have to worry about both there. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely pick things on things like pick up on things, especially um, in a way stadiums where you usually can't hear defensive communication, but like you said, vice versa, they can do the same to us. You don't know, I would say the, the, the most you notice it is obviously like running out of the tunnel. I would say big momentum swings, obviously touchdowns, but in the actual, you know, structure of the game, you're, you're so zoned in on your job and uh, you really don't even notice it there, but other time, you know, TV timeouts, touchdowns, big plays, that's when you really, really can tell. Has something happened or something been said that's made you laugh in a game this year? Uh, I'm trying to think this year. I mean, there's always smack talking going on sometimes. That always makes me laugh. But uh, I can't really think of a particular one. But there's always stuff going on, whether it's, you know, in the framework of a play or in the huddle or afterwards that, uh, you know, football is fun and it put, puts a smile on your face. Now, Justin but- Reed said that there, the smack talk has definitely been much more frequent this year. It's louder because there are no fans. What's your take on that? Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, there's always smack talk going on um, every game. I would say, you know, some players more than others. Um, I, I, talk, I don't talk as much smack as probably most people. I kind of like to hear it all in and just kind of not focus on it. But it is. It can be comical sometimes. So the defensive line, they're not allowed to mimic the calling of signals and things like that to try to draw mm-hmm. you guys uh, into an uh, offside, I mean, uh, into a false start situation, right? That's against the rules. But they Correct. Can't say, yeah, they can't say certain things, though, right? They're not, they're not banned from talking, like you said. There's some trash No, going not on. at all. I mean, they, they have their own calls, and they, they do other things that, um, I guess, do mimic or other ways to do try. I mean, that does happen, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, there's calls and barking and yelling going on. But, you know, vice versa, you can use your verbal cadence at away stadiums to get them to, you know, draw them off sides where in the past you only have silent cadence. So what's the football movie where if the guy's knuckles are are white when he's when he's in his three-point stance? Oh, the Invincible? 
Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. All right, so <laughs> damn it, does that kind of stuff happen? <laughs> like, wait uh, a minute, his knuckles are in a certain way, I, and I think I, he's going to say that the, the knuckle thing. No, I mean, I would say ninety-eight percent of the league is, is wearing gloves anyway, so that that might be more of an oh, old school good, trick. But yeah, there exactly. there definitely are you know tips, alignments, stances that you pick up on through film study and just in the framework of a game. Now, how, how aware are you of stuff you guys might be doing, okay? Because uh, sometimes you guys might have tells or whatever along the offensive line or in the offense in general. Oh, absolutely. There's You're always self-scouting. Um, you know, coaches, you do it as players, um, whether you may give up a certain thing. And also, you know, our, our own team helps us with that. I talk to the D-line all the time. Hey, you know, especially you come off the ball and you can tell if, you can tell they knew something was coming. You ask them, hey, what was that? Whether it was your eyes or your footwork or your hands or whatever it was, um, your, your team helps you with that a lot. We saw J.J. line up over the nose, uh, over center a couple of times at the, at the nose position. So um, I don't know if you can share, but in practice, do you guys practice that? And what, what's that like the first time you have to go up head-to-head against J.J. in practice? Oh, yeah, we do it. I always talk to him about that. I always tell him he doesn't like the phone booth because, you know, the – out on the edge is such a different game than inside. I always say the center, you're kind of in your phone booth, and I always give them talk smack, say, don't come in my phone booth. You, you don't want that. Mm. Uh, you have a brother who plays for the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. um, how much communication is there during the season as opposed to mm-hmm. off season? You might be home visiting or just talking in general. Uh, there, <laughs> It's funny you said there's a lot. Our wives get sometimes annoyed because we'll – we talk three, four, five times a week. Sometimes our conversations are an hour, hour and a half long, sometimes multiple. Usually when we have like an hour conversation and then we call each other later too, the wives are like, okay, like let's, let's focus on us instead of talking more football. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's awesome though having a brother who, who plays in the NFL and understands what we do. Not only that, but plays the same, you know, uh, offensive line group too, being in the same position room. It's, he understands it and we, we talk a lot of ball. You guys have a third brother too. He's a he's coaching football at the high school level too. Do you you bring him in on the fun as far as talking ball? Oh yeah, absolutely, Josh. He, he actually played D uh, two at University of Indianapolis. He was a defensive end in college and um, coaching football now at our high school, Bishop Chatard, at the freshman level. They're actually having some good success too. Just beat our rival Cathedral a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, he knows football. And my dad played at Kentucky. My my mom was a, a student trainer at Kentucky. That's how they met. So she knows football. She probably knows more than most of the dads, so it's 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 pretty fun. So your brother's like the Cooper Manning of the bunch, right? <laughs> Is that? I mean, that, yeah, that's you, not bad. You could say that. <laughs> you should throw that one out there to him. <laughs> I mean, Cooper was going to be really good though, um, and not that your brother wasn't. So he played B two ball. So all right, give us a little taste of the uh, Indianapolis sports scene and growing up in that scene. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, my dad actually worked for the NCA for about 30 years, oh. so we actually one of the best perks was tickets. So we always went to the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, they have Final Fours there. Um, the, I love the Indianapolis 500. I mean, that's one of the best events. This was the first time I didn't, I didn't get to go in like 10 years, which was unfortunate. But um, the the sports scene in Indianapolis is it's awesome. You go to the Indy 500 every year? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you sit, sit inside the turns, or do you do you, do you go in the in the in the infield? Oh yeah, I go in the infield. Are happening. I grew up in Indianapolis. I feel like this is something that someone in Indianapolis can really relate to. Oh yeah, it's great. We're we're in, to get in the infield. 
turn three, we bring a grill in and grill all day and, you know, sit up on the hill and watch the cars go by. It's, it's a lot of fun. Have motorsports, you ever motorsports get knocked by people who have never been to a motorsports event? Like yeah, it's definitely go. an in-person, yeah. like yes. if you go see in person, it's amazing how, I mean, they, the noise and how fast they go and um, it, it's, it's a talent, not, the people don't realize how hard it is to control, I mean, a car going, you know, open wheel IndyCar going 200 plus miles an hour. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. Like I don't Have watch you... NASCAR or IndyCar, but the times I've been to those events, I had a really fun time and it was, it was, it was a great experience. So like, yeah. Oh, it really is. Indianapolis 500, it's the largest sporting event in North America. I mean, North America, there was, you know, sometimes 300,000 people there. So it, it's a fun time. Have you ever kissed the bricks? <laughs> I have actually not been able to do that. I have not. Mm. But that would be awesome. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be banned now because of COVID. There's no well, way that they let yeah, it rain through. <laughs> Are the bricks going to have COVID? I mean, really? It's got COVID. I guess so. You know, we were there for the Super Bowl. They had a media party. We were able to kiss the bricks, those who went to the media mm. party. So that was that was actually pretty cool. Uh, so w- at the Combine, what was it like in your hometown? It was cool because obviously I knew the area. Um, I think I had a dinner at San Elmo's Steakhouse, obviously the famous steakhouse there with the shrimp cocktail. Um, but being able to see my parents and sneak home um, afterwards, obviously, the combine, you got a lot going on. But just knowing the area and everything was, it was really fun. So when you when we play in Indianapolis every year, how many do you have more fans and or more family as fans there, or would you say in Houston? And about oh, how many- there for sure. We we have I always have like uh, anywhere from thirty to sixty people go, if not more. I mean, there's. A lot. Of, I have a lot of support there, which is nice. My a lot of my um, Kathleen's, my wife's family, cousins, stuff live there too. So we we got a big support system. Who's the, loudest, who's the loudest supporter out of the family? The loudest supporter during the game, probably some of my my high school buddies. Yeah. Post game, my dad usually has the most input, and, but they're always. I mean, but my mom and dad both they they'll watch, but they know football, so they'll. It's more like, all right, what happened on this play? Like. <laughs> Are you ducking your head? It's not like the positive stuff. They like to point out what, what, what I need to fix. Okay, uh, just a little local tip, not that I know everything about Indianapolis, but uh, Uwe Pui, Indiana, Purdue, for, mm-hmm. no, it's Indiana, Purdue, Indianapolis. Uh, that recreation center, they have the old Market Square Arena basketball floor right on that surface in their recreation center. So every time we go to the combine, I make sure to like shoot around on there, maybe get into a game. So that's fun for your family to go see that, because I bet a lot of people in Indianapolis don't even know it's there. I found it by accident. So little local that's tip. Cool. This is my gift to you, Nick. My gift to <laughs> I think you. I think I've been, and I don't know if I knew that information, but I have been on that floor. Okay. Yeah, it's Market Square Arena. You know, and the, some legendary games took place on that floor. You know, Reggie Miller, right. unbelievable stuff. That's great. All right, so favorite all-time player, Reggie Miller in the uh, NBA? Pacer player? Yeah. Um, or is it another player on another team? Like Rick Smith? Yeah, the Duncan oh. Dutchman. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We like that. I mean, I like, like that. Was he, what was, he, was he the Flying, flying Dutchman? That was his nickname? Well, I know he's not he was kind of grounded, you know. He was kind of a grounded Dutchman. Yeah, but, that was his nickname. Yeah. yeah. Mark was born in the Netherlands. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's like technically. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Well, this is just how I roll. All right, so Nick Martin is with us, and uh, when we return, we're going to have some questions for Nick that have nothing to do with football. Actually, some of them do. Some of them do. Some of them have to do with your alma mater and some other things associated with the Houston Texans as well. And that's all coming up on the Texans Player Show here on Texans Radio. Keep it here for more of the Texans Player Show right here on Texans Radio. Ronnie Flatten, CTO and owner of CT Integrations, and this is our story. The business was great, and we were in a growth mode. When the pandemic hit, we had a lot of uncertainty, but with AMG's support, we were able to get through it. Being able to help somebody come out of a crisis is truly gratifying. 15 jobs saved with their families, and that impacts a whole lot of people. Amogee Bank, a division of Zions Bank Corporation, NA, member FDIC, official business bank of the Houston Texans. Ugh, I have to do laundry when I get home. I have to lug all my clothes over to the washing machine. Then I get to put them in the dryer and accidentally shrink my cashmere sweater again. (laughs) Motorcycles make everything exciting. And when Geico makes it easy to switch and save on motorcycle insurance, it's even more exciting. I'm going to fold all my socks into little balls. Yeah! Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Save you 15% or more. Save you. We're back for more of the Texans Players Show on Texans Radio. It's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sidhu, and Drew Doherty with you. Nick Martin is our guest tonight, and we're having fun with Nick and time to take some questions that may or may not have anything to do with football. But let's start here, Nick, as you went to Notre Dame. And my question is, if you went to Notre Dame and played football at Notre Dame, do you like the movie Rudy, or do you think it's hogwash? I mean, I know Rudy was a real person. I don't know if he's as well-liked as the movie is in some circles. Uh, I've actually seen him floating around Radio Row at the Super Bowl. But anyway, what do you think of the movie Rudy if you're a Notre Dame guy? Uh, I think Rudy was offsides. I think that's a known fact. <laughs> but uh, no, that's just a joke. But uh, the, the movie the movie itself is actually pretty cool just because the, the scenes in the movie, um, you know, when he gets a letter and all that, I know know exactly where all that is and being on campus. That's probably one of the cooler things about the movie. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a good movie. It's a classic. What other football movies do you like, Nick? Do you think have uh, maybe have decent credibility, or they don't even need decent credibility? Like the Waterboy doesn't have credibility, but no, I mean Waterboy is great. great. Uh, Friday Night Lights, Varsity Blues, The Program, um, The Replacements. I'm a big movie guy, so I like I like all those sports movies. All well, those football movies are great. Invincible came up in the first segment, so Invincible mm-hmm. that's pretty good as well. Yeah, it's a solid solid movie for sure, Nick. For part of your early career, you were basically Billy Buzzcut. You had very, very short hair. Your hair's long now. How long is it going to get, and what's prompted this change? My hair is long now. Um, I what, what prompted it was COVID. I, you, I couldn't get a haircut, and then it just kind of snowballed, and uh, <laughs> I haven't gone around to cutting it yet. Uh, I, my wife likes it. She, I mean, I think, unless she's lying to me, she said. So, um I wasn't sure if the Houston Heat was going to get to me in camp, but I, I fought through that. I really, got to be honest, have no idea how long I'm going to let it go. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I did have very long hair um, before once in my life. How long so, are we talking? Uh, I mean, way past my shoulders. I mean, I'm long. 
during what was this? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't cut it for like three years. Oh, when was this? Uh, I started in senior year of high school, and I had it up to like I think sophomore year, well, three years of like sophomore year of college. Did you know that Brian Cushing, I was gonna say <laughs> on the Texan staff, had similarly length hair? Did you know this? I did. He's been a big, uh, big proponent of. He wants me to keep growing it out every time I think <laughs> about cutting it. He, he, he wants it. He wants it long. He wants to live vicariously through you. I think. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> All right. My question is about Martin's Fitness, Martin's Gym. I've heard it called like eight different things. The gym that <laughs> you had this off season. So. Best workout partner, and you can't pick an O-lineman. Oh, man. Anybody on I'll the go, team? I'll go with Cole Gillespie. Okay. He, uh, yeah, he did a good job. He, he he came through, and he lifted with a few linemen a couple times, and he held his own. He did very well. He was uh, – I, I was impressed with him, so I'll go with Colin. You know, I actually interviewed him last week, and I asked him if that was, like, his off-season plan. I'm like, did you just want to lift super heavy? So you're like, I'm just going to lift with the old line. And he's like, no, it just sort of worked out like that. But he felt like he got stronger because he was he – was Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, you always I – mean, right? Yeah, if you live with people who, you know, lift more weight and stuff, it kind of pushes you and gets you – definitely gets you stronger. He's kind of like a – like, you hear, you hear tight ends called sort of satellite offensive linemen. So he's kind of like a satellite satellite offensive lineman because he's a fullback right yeah he's got a little weight in there i wouldn't call him uh like a i don't know if i would say honorary offensive lineman i don't know if he's right. gained that credibility yet but yeah there's definitely some uh you know something in there with that nick martin joining us all right nick now that when we're doing other questions that are semi-related to football now that you and your brother are both in the nfl can you beat your older brother up yes <laughs> okay are you just saying that i mean what do you really think here no i would know now we haven't fought physically <laughs> for a long time um probably not somewhat matured um we hope at least at least my, my mom hopes uh but yeah i would never say no to that question the answer is yes well that leads into my question because it was originally going to be what was the best revenge you ever got on one of your mm -hmm. brothers so keep that stewing in your mind but when was the last time you physically fought with one of your brothers and what prompted it? What happened? I, I honestly, it's been a while when we were younger, it was like nonstop and I was the youngest. So I got to be my, my oldest brother would beat up on me if I get only if I gave him a reason, but Zach would beat up on me like just for fun. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't tell you probably sometime in college. Uh, I'm sure we got into it. Um, and then my best revenge. Oh, so we we were on a uh, family vacation, I think in California. He was pro probably uh, he was in high school. I was probably in middle school, maybe maybe going into high school. And um, you know, he was picking on me throughout the trip and whatnot. We were on this little private beach, and it was our family. And little we just kind of found it, pull off the side of the road. And there was only like a, one other couple on the other side of the beach. Well, my brother, you know, was picking on me earlier that day, and whatnot. He's taking a picture of my mom and dad, and I run behind him and just completely depans him. Uh, but naked and it was yeah it was, it was it was pretty good revenge oh my i mean your mom was so mad yeah she was she laugh. yeah we we laughed if we still laugh about to this day but it was, it was good. like oh my eyes i don't need to see that yeah <laughs> all right dp you're up okay so the last few weeks i feel like we've learned a lot about your teammates hidden talents we did not know that Darren Phils was like this amazing chef. He makes sushi. 
Uh, Jordan Akins is really good at the glitter and the paper crafts because he's got a little girl and he's been doing art projects. So my question is, what is your hidden talent that we don't know about? Oh, man. I don't know if I really have a, I don't know if I have a hidden talent. Pretty, I'm a pretty simple guy. I hang out with my, my wife, watch a lot of movies, and kind of play football. I'm not sure. I really don't know off the top of my head. So, this might be a question we got to ask your offensive Yeah, team. Yeah, you might need to ask someone else. You're too else close or... to yourself to see your talents, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> do you, cook, you don't cook much? You're not much of a chef? I love to grill. I do love to grill. I was like, oh, linemen like to eat. Like, I would think. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I got a Traeger and a gas grill, and I love to grill. I make some really good smoked barbecue chickens uh, two hours. Mm. Um, yeah, you can say grilling, I guess. I don't know yeah. if that's, you, you know, that's kind of like a classic, I guess, O-Lyman thing. Is it? Oh, no. I, that, I would, that works. That I, I would take that. I would take grilling. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nick Martin with us. All right, so one more on your uh, on your brother here. Uh, sport when you were younger that you could beat your brother in that wasn't football, maybe ping pong or something else. What, what did you guys have a tremendous family rivalry in that you could share with us? Definitely ping pong. We had a ping pong table uh, downstairs. We would all go down there and have family tournaments, and that was – Still in the best of the family, so I would definitely say ping pong. Is there still a ping pong table in the locker room? Uh, there, no, with COVID, there has not been. Yeah, but it's a socially distanced kind of sport. Oh, the paddles, Game. Yeah, they the were. Paddles. Yeah. The ball, you got to touch the ball too. Eh, you just you wear gloves and bring your own paddle, then you can. Uh, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Wear shields and masks and, <laughs> and play ping pong. We're always at the ping See, pong. See, when the ping pong first got in the locker room, I was dominant and then what happens is when we go to practice and meetings the specialist stand there and like Kaimi keeps playing and all of a sudden Kaimi went from not being very good at all to like unbeatable so that's how that worked that's not fair that's not fair at all what did you think of all this uh the Watt brothers reunion in Pittsburgh that was that was pretty special to see and you being an NFL family yourself that must have been pretty cool to see yeah, definitely. You know, I, I was able to play my brother and you know, regular season game a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. to have three um, siblings in the NFL—that's that, a very, very special moment. Drew, you're up. Okay. <laughs> you have to eat your way out of a room. Oh God, I hate this question. Ten by ten foot room. It's filled with food. What food are you choosing? And think about this because you've got to eat your way out of the room. To get out to freedom, probably steak or just a bunch of ribeyes. <laughs> a room filled with ribeyes. You think you need all those ribeyes? Rude. This is a horrible question. <laughs> just, just a bunch of medium rare ribeyes, and I'll just, just go to town. Damn, I don't know if you can do it. I think uh, cotton candy is the correct answer. Oh, cotton candy. That yeah, but what yeah, if you're the challenge? That's fine. You can, take, you can take the easy way out. I would say pizza. I don't know. For some reason, I could eat like ten pizzas. I don't know. It's filling, man. I know I it is. I could just do like a giant brownie, and I would just like eat my way yeah. to chocolate. I would totally. Isn't like sushi? Sushi's pretty not filling. Popcorn. That's probably popcorn. popcorn. That Watermelon. Get, that get it done. Nick, when you retire, sport you will continue to play. Do you play golf, or do you bowl, or tennis, or something like that? I would definitely say golf. We, me, and my wife did play some tennis. Um, we try to get. Try to do that every once in a while. Uh, it's fun. I'm trying to careful, careful. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, golf. I'm not good, or I'm, I'm working on it. 
but I really enjoy it. You know, it's kind of the normal guy hit a really good shot every once in a while and kind of brings you back. And I just like going out there, hanging out. And, um, yeah, it's relaxing. All right, Nick Martin is our guest. He stays with us. Let's talk about the Jaguars a little bit, some stuff related to uh, things that occur on an NFL field. It's all happening here on the Texans Players Show. Get the inside scoop on the game straight from the players. It's the Texans Players Show. Texans Radio, it's the Texans Players Show. Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu, Drew Doherty, Nick Martin is our guest. We already addressed the coaching situation, so if you tuned in for, for that, you're late. But this will be up on the Texans app soon enough. And, Nick, you have the Jaguars coming up on Sunday. Is there – all right, so the Jaguars, you've had a lot of success against the Jaguars, but it's never easy. It was a real tough one here last year. Uh, the Titans, they're real good. You've had success against them. The Col- I mean, you've had success against everybody. You've won the division plenty of times. But is there a team that is tougher than others or you get more motivated in the division or it just kind of fires you up in a different way, Jags, Titans, Colts? How do you feel about going up against these guys? Yeah, I mean, anytime you play a divisional game, there's always a little bit of extra energy, I would say, that week. Uh, me personally, I would say the one that – or the team I can't stand is the Colts. I don't know if that was because I grew up in Indy and then, it, you know, that, I guess, switch just kind of flipped. Yeah. Um, but in, in, in any divisional game, you really do. Um, they're so important and you really get juiced up for it for sure. What was it like playing them in London? What are your What will you take away from that game? Because I thought it was a pretty special trip. It was look, it's another week in the NFL season, but it was different than any other week we've seen. Yeah, it was it was really cool uh, just being over there and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, it was it was a business trip, and it was it was fun to win and it was fun to win, um, you know, convincingly. So that was a really really cool game being over there and doing that. Especially the fan group, the, the London fans were were very interesting. You know, you see all the different types of jerseys and. Um, they get loud at different parts of the game that, you know, not necessarily always happen. So it, it, it was cool. Yeah, they got – Texans fans had a good contingent there. You heard coming in, oh, it's going to be a Jags crowd for the most part. They're going to be louder. And, I mean, just from where I was sitting, which was, you know, a few feet from DP, it sounded like the Texans fans showed up a little bit better. And, hey, maybe that's because you beat them 26-3. to But I thought I thought the Texans fans sounded pretty darn loud that game, don't, don't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I really do think, I mean, I think that big time, I think, uh, I think they love Deshaun over there, which is, you know, no surprise. A lot of people love Deshaun, but I think that helped us out a little bit too with the whole fan situation. Yeah, I agree. I felt like every time Deshaun made a play, they were just there to cheer good football and he would make a play and the crowd just loved it. They just thought it was Yeah, that, that was definitely, you're right. They definitely cheer just good football or exciting. Um, it's not, I mean, I think they do know what's going on, but there's definitely, I actually talked to a, a fan after the game that one of my buddies knew and, you could tell he was getting into it, and uh, they don't necessarily always know what's going on. But it's crazy, too, because they'll stay up with the time change. They'll stay up and watch to like, 2 a.m. to watch a football game, their team, mm-hmm. too. Nick what Martin about with the Jaguars? Right. Obviously, they – I mean, you guys face them every year. That's a tough defensive front. But it seems like a little bit of a Jags reunion tour every week. You face, you face like, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. It's, like, all yeah. these former Jags in recent weeks. I, and here, here I know. I, when we played Baltimore, I – I said to uh, um, Campbell, I was like, man, I thought we got, thought I, thought I wasn't going to have to see you anymore after you left Jacksonville. But uh, it really is. And, but that, that's how the NFL is, you know, in a lot of ways it's a revolving doors and you see people over and over again. That's why you make your list of players and defensive coordinators because at some point you're probably going to face them again. 
Is there a victory in your career? Uh, well, I'm going to ask you flat out. What What is a, a game that might be one of your favorite victories? Give me a couple here. Non-playoff and uh, the Texans during your time, you you had to uh, miss the 2016 season with an injury. They they won a playoff game that year and, of course, last year. But give me a regular season win uh, that or two that you might be really proud of. I would say the Dallas game a couple of years ago when we beat them. Uh, I think that was one for us. And obviously my brother gave me bragging rights for another four years till we face them again. Uh, but two for the city, you know, just showing how that rivalry between Houston and Dallas and um, be able to, you know, bring that home or that win for the city was, was awesome. And people were so excited about that one. Uh, the Patriot game last year was another good one. Anytime you win a primetime game, especially, you know, you got to take care of those at home. Uh, was another special one for sure. Nick, Mark, Mark mentioned in, back in 2016 that you were you were injured. What what was that like coming back from that? I mean, it's been so many years removed, but now you've had a little bit of time and space from it. But when you sort of reflect on that, how much did that sort of help you to sit back and watch the game? How hard was it to have to do that your rookie year? I mean, what did you what do you feel like you really gained from that time? Yeah, it was definitely hard. I mean, when you when you come in and when you're you know a, a high draft pick, you want to help the organization as soon as possible and. Uh, it's frustrating. There's, there's no doubt, but you know, and my mom always says, you know, you got, you got 24 hours to kind of be down and feel sorry for yourself. And then it's time to go. And that's, you know, that's what I did. And I had a lot of help along the way with our training staff and coaches and my wife and everything. Uh, But you learn a lot. I sat back and really try to learn the X's and O's, you know, college football is so much different than NFL and defenses in the NFL are so much more complicated and the schematic part of it. There's really so much more to it with fronts and coverages and blitzes and everything. So that that's really what I try to focus on that year is um, to get stronger in the weight room and really, you know, focus on the mental part of football. How about that? Your mom invoked the 24-hour rule on you. <laughs> and you didn't even have, like, a game six days later to get to play, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, she uh... – she, she's a tough cookie, there's no doubt about it. I mean, she raised three boys, so she, she's a saint. She really is. Tougher to take, losing an NFL game, losing a college game. And I'll go here. On the road. That flight back. Oh, man. I would say NFL. I mean, there's so many. I mean, in college, it's, I guess, of course, I don't know if I had any really bad losses against opponents. When you lose to a team like in college when you're not supposed to, you know, you should be blown out, that, that's always tough. But NFL, it's just so frustrating. You know, you, you work so hard with your brothers to uh, prepare and, you know, do everything you can to win. And then you start replaying the plays you could have, you know, done differently to help your team and watch the film on the plane and start self-scouting right after. So it's it's, it's just frustrating. Yeah. I remember writing a story once about one of your road losses in college. You played Deshaun at Clemson. It was like this monsoon rainstorm. Yeah, that game was wild. I mean, you roll up to Clemson, and it was – I mean, Notre Dame is by far the best place to play in college football. But <laughs> it was definitely cool to see the sea of orange and purple, you know, tailgating tents. And it was a crazy monsoon, and we had a ton of turnovers, and then – came back from like three or four touchdowns and it came down to a two we scored and it came down to a two point conversion play and we unfortunately did not get it but we, we could have had that one we should have had that one do you guys Didn't still talk about block that yeah i give stuff all the time I'm like we should have won that game and he just no he goes no we started backing off and we were up so big and <laughs> yeah we, we still talk about it i mean that's a thing right you guys come in and talk about how your alma maters are doing 
I mean, that's a big deal, right? The bragging rights. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of bragging rights in the locker room, for sure. I mean, not too many people can top him, though. That's the problem. I mean, he won a championship and almost won another, and, I mean, that's that's pretty strong stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He, he is a pretty good uh, pretty good rap sheet there. Well, AJ, I mean, AJ won a championship, so. Yeah, AJ beat, beat us in 12. He was on that Alabama team, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played for some pretty good teams. What's your relationship like with Will, a fellow domer? And do you like oh, the term domer? Is that a, t- a terrible term to you? No, I, I mean, it doesn't bother me. That's acceptable. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it's great. You know, we, we've been together for going on eight years now. So we, we've been to, to together a long time. And, you know, I, he knows my parents. I know his parents. And, um, Will, Will, Will's an awesome guy. Uh, he's, he's quiet, but it's been cool to see him coming out of his shell a little bit more, um, since he's been here and, um, obviously a great football player and we're lucky to have him. It was pretty fascinating the night the Texans drafted him. He wasn't at the draft, but Brian Kelly was. And we were in Chicago for the draft to cover it. So we kind of scrambled, went to Kelly's hotel, interviewed him in the lobby. And everything he said about Will Fuller has come to fruition. And he was very quick to say, listen, he is a deep threat, but he's not just a deep threat. He can do all the other stuff. And is it being, how much fun has that been for you? Because I'm, I'm sensing you sort of knew that as well when you're playing with him. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the, I mean, obviously Will, he's such a special, special player because he ran by people in the, you know, in college, but he still continues to run by people in the NFL. And like you say, he's not just a deep threat when you, when you, even people who don't know, I guess, much about receivers and how to run a route. When you watch him, you, you just know, okay, that's, that's how it should be done. How smooth he is and how he runs. It's, it's fun to watch. So, Nick, one final thought here. What's your message to the fans as you get ready to face the Jags on Sunday? Looking for that elusive first win, and especially on a week like this. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're looking. For, I mean, we're going to get the win, and you know, just bring the energy, and we're excited to get out there and fly around, and you know, let loose Deshaun and our defense, and um, just have some fun and win doing it. All right, Nick. Thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. There's Nick Martin joining us on the Texans Players Show. Great to have him aboard, and we do this every Tuesday at this time. So stop by for the fun, the frolic, what is the Texans Players Show, which used to be out and about, used to be. And I hope it's out and about again because we will be able to make that happen post-COVID, post-corona time. I suppose we could do it socially distanced, but that really wouldn't be as much fun as just gathering this way and spending time with you during this time in this way we have to. Uh, so in the future, you never know. Now, Sunday, it's going to be noon for the Jaguars and fans in attendance again for the Houston Texans. Some programming reminders here that are very important for your Texans' enjoyment as we have a lot to cover with the coaching change and everything else. Uh, Texans Extra Points, Saturday, 1035. That's on ABC, ABC 13, hosted by Drew Doherty. And then Texans 360 right after that with D.P. Sidhu, where we do a little lighter side of the Texans, and we've got plenty of stuff there. We have all these things going on this week. We had Founders Day today where we read to the kids. Uh, so much stuff to honor Mr. McNair and the founding of the franchise back on October 6th, 1999. Also, we have Texans Game Day, which is Sunday morning at 8.30 on KPRC Local 2. So tune in to those Texan shows Check your local listings. And as always, one hour before kickoff, Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon, which is on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. 
face, I mean, a snap face, all the stuff. Boy, that's a Bill O'Brien joke, but, you know, why not? We're going to say that till the end of time. And Texans app, HoustonTexans.com for Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. That's going to do it for the Texans Players Show tonight. Have a great night, everyone. Texans All Access coming up. Go, Texans. This is Texans Radio. 25 years. Huh, that's a quarter century. Or 300 months. Or 9,125 days. Or 175 years. Dear dog. Now, for something to be around that long, that's impressive. And that's what Chevron with Tecron is. Impressive. Because it delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. Plus, as always, Tecron is in every grade, every gallon. Chevron with Tecron, celebrating 25 years of clean. Care for your car. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Crafted to be savored responsibly. 